This is where normal comes to die. Mediocrity meets its final demise, and the status quo is unabashedly dismantled. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. Now, here's your host, Steve Olsher. Alrighty, welcome to another edition here of Reinvention Radio. Steve Olsher hanging out with the lovely Mary Goulet. Hello, Mary Goulet. Richie Ote in the house. What's up, my brother? Good to see you. Good to see you. And the gang is all back together. Yeah, I would say, the boys are back in town, but it just doesn't quite work with Mary here. The boys and girls are back in town. So good to have you guys back. Hope you uh, have enjoyed your respective journeys. And I was journeying and like, my God, I just, like literally, I don't remember the last time we were all together. Well, you and I were together last week. We were together last week. Richie and I were together uh, a couple weeks. And then you guys were together. (laughs) So we're like ships passing in the night, but good to... Good to be hanging out with you again here on Reinvention Radio. Do our best, of course, to scour the planet to find all sorts of interesting people who have reinvented their lives and are changing the world as a result. Uh, life, business, you name it. I mean, I think we've we've covered it here over the years. Uh, we've been doing this now, what, together for... Three and a half years? The three of us? Three and a half years? Four years? I think oh, no, we are coming up on our anniversary. Uh, coming up on our four-year anniversary? Yes. Yeah, and then Richie joined yeah. us. So you and I, Mary, are four years? April, I think. Yeah, it was wow. only a couple months. And then, and then a couple months after that, right? right? Right after. Yep. That is awesome. So if you guys have missed uh, any of the back episodes, definitely, well, go back because... God, I mean, just... Content's you, all great. Well, yeah, right? The the guests have been nothing short of amazing. So make sure you listen to some of the back episodes as well. Uh, if, you, if you missed any of those, and uh, and come out and hang out with us. Come come to the New Media Summit. My God, we're doing, uh, we're doing another New Media Summit. Hard to believe, but this will be New Media Summit 5. I'm, I'm starting to put, I'm starting to put uh, Roman numerals after the... Uh, in, 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 the last one was 1V. This one is just V. So we're going to catch up to the Super Bowl, like without, like what are they on fifty two, fifty three, right? So just we'll take a little while, but but eventually we'll we'll catch those guys. So it's uh, New Media Summit five, where you have the opportunity to meet and pitch forty top podcasters on who you are and what you do, and you literally get booked on the spot. We uh, we have a hundred percent track record of. Attendees coming to the summit, coaches, authors, speakers, small business owners, solopreneurs, holistic practitioners, you name it, they've come to the New Media Summit. All of them have left with bookings in hand. Are you guys excited for September's New Media Summit? September 16th through the 18th. My birthday. Yeah. Wait, which, wait, which one is your birthday? I, I know I have it on my calendar. Yours is the 16th. Oh, man, that's so awesome. And, Richie, your birthday is June 5th. Yeah, so that's coming up. Wow. And, oh, and uh, talk about a hell of a week. Guess who's coming into town on the 20th of September that I'll be hanging out with? Not really personally, but I would love to. Hmm. Uh, you want to give us like a parameter? Music. Music. Lenny Kravitz. Lenny. Lenny. Kravitz? No way. Lenny's coming. Concert here? Lenny's coming. San Diego Civic Center, September 20th. Yeah. Ooh, that's a great venue. Are you Is it a good venue? Oh, yeah. I've never been in that one. Yeah. All right, it's sweet. It's a more quaint, isn't it? Yeah. Is it more quaint? Ooh. Can you and get a VIP better. pass? I would love to. Can you hook me up with one? <laughs> Why can't you? I, I don't know. Who, where, where, how do we get one? I, I need, we need, uh, okay, so SOS to the San Diego Civic Center. 
Uh, we'll get you some love here on Reinvention Radio if you get me some love backstage with Lenny. Let's, uh, let's oh make gosh, that happen. Oh, my going all the way to backstage. <laughs> yeah, I'm going backstage. Forget <laughs> VIP, man. I'm going backstage now. Speaking of, uh, speaking of stages, uh, we'll, we'll jump right into uh, – let me just actually close the loop on the New Media Summit. Go to newmediasummit.net. Uh, I want to say we got 30-something-odd tickets left. I mean, it's really it, – we're, we're closing in. We just did our big launch of Profiting from Podcasts. So we got a lot of people who said yes to the New Media Summit from that. And so anyway, it's uh, just – it's getting close there to, to selling out. We limited it to 150 people, 150 folks who have the opportunity to take center stage and pitch the podcasters and literally get booked on the spot. So grab one of the remaining seats, newmediasummit.net. Come meet me. Come meet Mary. Come meet Richie and uh, so many other icons of influence, the podcasters that are there looking for guests. Like our buddy Corey, who's hanging out with us here today. What's up, Corey? Can you hear me? Are we good? Well, we can see you. We can hear you. Sort of, kind of. How about now? How are we doing? Can we hear you? Can we see you? Can we get you? See the smiling face? All right. We're, do, we're doing a little video here, but we can't hear you at the moment. So no worries. Maybe uh, here's what I'm going to suggest. Wait, just have them call in. Uh, just just calling on your phone. Let's do it that way. We'll keep it real simple. 866. Write this down, Corey. 866-977-2346. And you guys can actually call in and join us as well. Uh, when we broadcast live, because we broadcast, that's why they're like, what are you guys talking about? Well, we broadcast live right now, so uh, this is what happens sometimes in Techland. But yeah, you guys can call us and join in as well at 866-977-2346. So Corey, just pick up uh, pick up your cell and uh, and just give us a jingle so that way we can at least hear you there and uh, and we'll figure that all out. No worries. But yeah, just don't expect to get on this show when you call that number live. Yeah, don't expect to be hearing this <laughs> because you're, exactly because you're you're listening to the recording. So yeah, no worries uh, around that. So eight six six nine seven seven twenty three forty six is the number that you can call us at uh, pretty much every Thursday from twelve until two Pacific, twelve to one. We do our now famous show Reinvention Radio. Uh, which you're listening to. And then from 1 until 2, we do our second show, which is Beyond 8 Figures. Uh, And on that show, we exclusively sit down with entrepreneurs who have either exited for more than $10 million or run businesses that that gross, currently gross, more than $10 million annually. You know, yes, sir. Real quick, just to go back to the New Media Summit, what you were talking about there. I mean, we're going to be talking to Corey about public speaking Mm -hmm. and people who want to speak from the stage and he yep. was one of the icons and he was. spoke from the stage and not necessarily for a long time because we were mostly hearing pitches from the audience um but you were talking about coming up on the fifth and it hit me i was like wait a minute how did, how could we coming up on the fifth because it's really only two years but that first year we got three in was that what happened that's why i was doing the math in my head and you know how i suck at that <laughs> but i was like five right so, so yeah we did september 17 April 18, September 18, and then we did February 19, and then September 19. So it. it's crazy, dude. Crazy. Wow. So we'll, yeah, we snuck in that extra. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have done five in 24 months, which is awesome. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah good quality fun. You know, good quality fun. And yes, it's, sir. And it's great people. And oh, It's uh, awesome people. Well, I mean, he talks about, I just, I'm going to be selfish now for a second. Since we're talking about public speaking... And we're waiting for someone to come on talking about TEDx. And I know you've done a TEDx. I did a TEDx talk. It's true. You guys can look it up. You would be one of about 7,000 people to watch it. And and you also did um, a course 
on closing from the stage, which sometimes people are doing. Yeah. And so I'm going to be super selfish right now, and I'm going to ask you for some insights while we're waiting for him to get dialed in. Like, what's going on with it? Talk to me about it. Yeah, man. So, uh, yeah, so closing from the stage actually is a new corset uh, that I'm releasing. Uh, Really interesting subject to me. I mean, I, I love just this whole notion of being able to be handed a microphone and in 60 minutes or 75 minutes or 90 minutes max, get someone to reach into their pocket, pull out their wallet, and invest 1000 or 2000 or sometimes more dollars with you. And, and 60 minutes ago or 75 minutes ago, they, ne- they didn't even know who you were. Yeah. So, so it's always fascinated me that, that people have the ability to come onto stage and 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 make that happen. Mm-hmm. And so you talk about like getting paid by the hour. I mean, I personally the the best hour that I have had on stage, uh, I've done about seventy k in an hour from the stage. Now I have friends who've done a lot more than that, mm-hmm. but I've personally done about seventy k from the stage. Where else can you get paid seventy thousand dollars an hour? Right. I mean, like, come on, man. Well, I guess if you're a rod or, you know, one of the ball players, or something like that, I guess that's probably about what it works out to be. But I've always been fascinated with with what I would call presentation psychology and what people do from the stage to get folks who they don't know mm-hmm. to be able to know, like and trust them and buy from them in such an expedited period of time. Did you have a lot of time to work with people prior? Because unlike, say, New Media Summit, yeah, when you've done a lot of training prior to the actual conference mm-hmm. in that one where you did 70k where, yeah. was it just like a cold audience or was it warm or was it a little bit because no cold i mean it wasn't it wasn't and of course i've done much more from our stage so at new media summit when i put forth offers so i, I guess that's probably then the wrong way to to position myself i should position myself better because from our event new media summit when we put forth our offers we, you know, we easily cross six figures. Um, I'd have to ask Kelly what the total is, but I mean, if we put twenty people into a twenty-five thousand dollar a year program, and then a couple people into a fifty thousand dollar a year program, you know, again, there's obviously done for you services and things that are tied to that, where we have actual costs. It's not like that all goes into my pocket. You know, we do coaching over a year and, and so on. But you know, probably from a new media summit stage, you know, four or five, six hundred thousand or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, man, it's just it, let's let's do this because I'd love to get Corey's take on this, and let's let's bring up Corey. So, Corey, are you there, buddy? I am here. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, good man. Glad we uh, glad we got you you on here. Hey, do you do any selling from the stage? Because I know. And by the way, let's just do this first. How do you pronounce your last name? Because I don't want to butcher it throughout the whole uh, the whole show here. <laughs> so the best that I can do is Poirier. Poirier, so really okay. English sounding Poirier. Yeah, okay. I think you you did it even a little better than me, Steve. Poirier, exactly, man. <laughs> so, um, so let, let's do this. And so, Corey, uh, we're, we're going to be talking about reinventing public speaking, and I know we started going down this this path here a little bit. Uh, let me just make sure folks are clear on this. So, uh, have you ever done any selling from the stage? Is that when you talk about public speaking, are you talking about speaking and selling from the stage, or are you talking about getting paid as a keynote speaker? What what's been your area of expertise? So it's been. A bit of both. I would say I started out selling from the stage with my own event. Then I, I'll say, migrated over to being paid as a keynote and did that exclusively for years and then started dabbling back into selling from the stage. So Mm -hmm. I have experience doing both, but the one constant for 17 years now is getting paid 
for keynotes. That's been that's been a constant. But then you run into those events where they want you to show up and they don't want to pay you, but they have a really good stage. Yeah. So I've done both. Yeah. No, I totally get that. And so give folks an understanding of your background because you had a pretty cushy corporate job. And so what, what were you doing in that, in that 100K a year job before you decided to, and I love Mary's expression here, Mary talks about inventing a paycheck, mm-hmm. which I steal all the time. <laughs> do I, you really? I do. I love that. Are you kidding? That's awesome. So totally steal that one all the time. Uh, but so before you left that, that, that uh, well, let's talk about the cushy corporate job that you had. What were you doing? So I was in, for lack of a prettier way of saying it, the office equipment industry. So the Xerox of the world, the Canon, that world, Toshiba. Mm-hmm. And so what I did was I, at first I sold office equipment, but then I moved my way into management, managing other staff that were doing that. Mm-hmm. And I stayed there for 10 years directly in that industry. Gotcha. And so you were, you, you had a guaranteed paycheck, 100K, you, you woke up one day and you said, I'm just not digging on this. I just, I, I've got no love for this. There's no fulfillment. Like what was kind of that wake up moment? So here's the best way I can explain it is that I looked at the business I was in and I asked myself as an investor, would I keep investing in that business, that industry, that business? And the answer was a a firm no. And the reason was when I started, we would have equipment, let's say that was $100,000 going in and fitting an office. And we were getting paid a really nice commission on that. And within 10 years, that same, actually equipment that could do more, was about a tenth of the price, and our commission was about a twentieth of what we got just 10 years before. So I looked at the writing being on the wall and said, there's no way I'd invest in this industry, so why am I investing my time? Hmm. It's a good way to look at it. Yeah. yeah so why smart. am I here? No. Yeah. <laughs> no! <laughs> you love what you do, Mary. You love being here Just with kidding. Us. No, you're not. I know you're not. No. It made me sad. <laughs> at the bottom of my emails, by the way, I say, you know, something to the extent of, you know, basically, if you want to unsubscribe, it'll make me sad. So please don't kind of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like, yeah, don't leave me. Don't leave me all alone. <laughs> so, um, Corey, so let, let's do this, man. So y- you can't just jump from a corporate gig to to getting on stages. I mean, did did how did you do that? And did it terrify you? I mean, a lot of people hate public speaking. Yeah. So how I got started was a happy accident. I actually was working my corporate job. And I wrote a a stage play for a fringe festival, and I was terrified of being on a stage, which is kind of ironic, like literally terrified. I was that guy. And so what happened was somebody tricked me into performing stand-up comedy one night. And uh, and I can tell you how the trick happened if you want, but yeah, I was tricked into performing. Stand-up. I just want to know what the what, I want to know too what the what the joke was because I, I I'm to understand you pretty much bombed. So yeah, yeah. Do you remember any of those jokes, by the way? Uh, you know what? It was more storytelling, uh, which was an eye opener because you you can be a storyteller comic and some do it really well, but not your first night. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. I was trying to tell the jokes that you would tell your buddies around the campfire that they love because they know the person you're talking about, and it just it bombed. But the interesting part is the biggest reason it bombed the first go round was because I didn't have the mic turned on and I didn't know that, oh. <laughs> so they couldn't even hear the joke. But then we got the mic turned on, and I bombed again. So I've jokingly said, but it's probably true, I'm one of the only comics to bomb with the same material twice in less than 10 minutes. Mm. <laughs> That's funny. So, so you're yeah. up on stage as a, as, a, as a somebody tricked you. You got up there. You're doing your, your, your comedy thing. But at some point, it clicked. Because had you quit your job at that point, or are you still working the job and you just kind of did this at night? Or Like, I'm trying to figure out the transition here. Yeah, and, and so great question because – 
the answer is because you asked as well, how did I make that jump and how scared was I? And you don't, and you're right, you don't make the jump from there to getting paid stages day one. So what happened for me is I was performing stand-up and I kept going for a while, but I could see there were things I liked about stand-up and things I really didn't like. And then I saw Tony Robbins live, an event I just got invited to with a friend, and I knew who Tony was. I saw his talk. But something clicked in that day that, wait a minute, he's actually getting paid to do this. You know, I thought that his whole reason for doing it was to do uh, deliver a talk and then somebody buy his program after the fact online. So I thought he was just doing it solely to promote his program, not even selling from the room, not getting paid to do the talk. And once I clued in that that was, you know, the case was he was actually getting paid to do both, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Do you mean I could be getting all the stuff I love about stand-up comedy, get rid of the things I don't like, and also able to make a bigger impact with an audience? Where do I sign up? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, it would be great to say that, you know, I went from comedy to all of a sudden speaking on a big stage. But obviously, you know, that's the, from what you even said, it wasn't like that. Uh, so what I did was about four years before I made the full-time transition and left that corporate career, I started using my weekends, evenings, holidays, everything I could to take on any booking that I could. And some of those were no fee bookings, but I had a hidden reason why I would take them on. But yeah, I started basically taking on every booking I could to start building my name up, getting the experience in before I boldly took that that bigger jump. Yeah. No, I mean, it totally makes sense. But most public speakers, and I would venture to guess, I don't know what the numbers are. I mean, I know in, in the land of business, less than 4%, this number is staggering, less than 4% of all companies that are started will gross more than a million dollars in annual revenue. So less than 4% of all businesses will gross more than a million dollars in annual revenue. So staggering number in terms of the, the number of companies that don't get, get to that point, right? So but in the world of, of public speaking, I, I would venture to guess that probably less than, what, 1% of, of all speakers actually make more than 100 k a year. I mean, do you, do you have any understanding of what those, of what those numbers are? So interestingly, I, I'm, I'm working on a documentary right now, and I filmed an interview last week with Lisa Nichols and then um, ended up going to their event. And she shared with me that they did a study, and at least the study they did, I think it was 1% or 2% uh, made over six figures, and then it was like a half a percent got to seven figures. Mm-hmm. It was so very close to what you just said. Yeah. Yeah, man. So it, there are let's just say easier careers that you could have pursued to, to try to get back to that, to that hundred K. So are you, are you at a hundred K now just from public speaking? Absolutely. And I have been for a lot of years and to your point, I didn't know that most speakers weren't mm-hmm. so that I didn't know those stats. And sometimes they say ignorance is bliss. <laughs> yeah. I, maybe if I would have known, I might, you know, I might not have jumped so heavily in that direction. I probably still would have cause I loved it. But, yeah, I did not know. I thought the percentages were more like 50% of the speakers I was seeing that were promoting themselves as speakers were making a good living. Mm-hmm. You know, and when I say good living, I was thinking they all, you know, they must be, yeah, 50% must be over six figures or they wouldn't kill themselves in the speaking trenches like we do. Uh, so I just, I was naive to the whole thing. So I didn't know those numbers, Steve, until, you know, I'm going to say four or five years in. Wow. And And so let me just ask you this then. Are you... Are you, as, as a percentage, are you doing half of your revenue in getting paid to keynote and half of your revenue in selling from the stage? And if it's, and, and to that end, from selling from the stage, are they your own events or are you selling from the stage 
at other events? How do, how does your revenue break down? And as specific as you can get would be awesome. Yeah, I would say it's about 75% getting paid to speak. Yeah, I mentioned I went in that direction exclusively for a lot of years. Yeah. And so I'm making sort of the switch back now because I heard you saying it right whenever uh, I was sort of waiting to jump on about the numbers that you can bring in when you sell from the stage versus getting paid for your keynote. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's exceptions to that. You know, I mean, there's, there's the Brendan Burchards of the world that may be getting in the same range for a talk, but obviously for the average business speaker, you're not getting in that range. Wait, let me just, so, I just hold on, Corey. I just want to, I just want to clarify. Yeah. So you're saying, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying I'm as good as Brendan Burchard. I just want to make sure that that's what I heard you say. <laughs> yeah, based on the numbers you shared, yeah, okay, I'm going okay. to put that out there. Okay, I love Brendan. Just want to make sure that's what you were saying. Okay, please continue. Yeah, based on the numbers I heard. Uh, and I'll, I'll clarify that too. Is I was at uh, Brendan's Phoenix uh, High Performance Academy, and he was sharing that. I think I'm going to go by memory on this, so I might be off, but I know I'm close. But I think he either gets, I think he said either 100, like he's very blunt about it, but it was either 100 a keynote or 70 a keynote, and he turned down either 70 or 100. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I crunched the numbers at the time, and it was basically 700000 that he turned down so that he could do his own event. Mm-hmm. So this is what he was sharing from the stage. So that puts his numbers right in line with what you just said that you were selling from the stage. So yeah. I, I'm going to back up what I just said. <laughs> yeah. 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 So so again, about 75% then of your revenue is paid keynotes, and then about 25% yeah. is, is selling from the stage. And is that your own events, or is that selling from the stage at other people's events or both? Well, that's been selling uh, from other people's uh, events at their on their stage, but uh, I'm starting now to get back into my own events. And in fact, I have three coming up just in the next month. So I, I went from you know not doing those for quite a few years and just kind of leaving it to everybody else to now going back in that direction. And, and it aligns with the goals that I have set for myself. So I had to start. I had to start making changes. Even uh, another example, which is on topic but a little bit off, is. I studied all the speakers that are the household name speakers, and I found one common trait. I could only find one that was absolute, and it was that they were with a major publisher for at least one of their books. And so I signed with a major publisher, Morgan Jane, just uh, two months ago for that same reason. So I've, I've kind of been going in a new direction for me because yeah. I recognize that I, I know I, to get to that next plateau, i got to take things to a different level. Yeah, and, and we won't have a debate on whether or not Morgan James and David Hancock in that group is a major publisher, but I love you, brother. And I'm not going to, let's not have that discussion, but congrats on the book and congrats on, on Morgan James. And I, and I love David and the crew over there. So awesome. What, and what's going to be the name of that book? Uh, it's called the book of why and how, hmm. and the book was actually self-published and did quite well. Like uh, since we talked numbers on this show, I don't, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head right now, but I think it was close to 10,000 copies. That's awesome. That we sold For a self-published book? Come on. even a, Like if you look at books at uh, Barnes & Noble, I believe that the, uh, if I remember correctly, something like uh, 96, 97% of the books at Barnes & Noble, even though they have retail distribution, won't sell more than 1,000 copies. It, it's a staggering number. Jesus. Yeah, yeah I think and, that's and true. This, this, well, and I should add, too, to be full disclosure, I do have other self-published books that sold low thousands. So this, this was definitely on the higher end. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting too, Steve. Um, and, and like you said, not to go in that, that direction, but the, the Morgan James thing, my whole thing was, I was looking at the Jeff Walkers of the world and the mm-hmm. Russell Brunson's and seeing that they were with a publisher that actually 
sees entrepreneurs with sure. the vision that I do. Sure. And so that was kind of the pull that way because I was talking to Harper Collins as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it, it just was the right direction for me. But yeah, it's a good point because, you know, when they talk to big four or five, there's a certain specific four or five. Yeah. No, I mean, I, look, as I said, congrats on that. That's awesome. And it'll definitely help from a credibility standpoint. So if, if Mary or Richie, because they do some speak. I mean, you know, you guys have been at the New Media Summit and you guys are really comfortable on stage and all. So, I mean, like if Mary and Richie is an example, and I'm taking myself out of it just because I've been doing it. If they wanted to start as as public speakers, like step them through what, what they should be thinking about doing. Yeah, so uh, what I'll, I'll tell you a couple of the things that changed the game for me early on and, and things I wish I would have known early on. Uh, so first and foremost, I mentioned right from the beginning, I said uh, I took some no-fee talk. And you'll notice I'm very uh, intentional about how I'm saying that. I'm not saying free talk mm-hmm. because I think you put a different intention on it when you use the word free. Mm-hmm. So I did some no-fee talks early on. And once I realized something really big, I became really intentional about getting as many no-fee bookings as I could in that first year or two. And I'll explain why. Because I'm not a big proponent of just speaking for no money for no reason. But what I did is I crafted this evaluation form. And so this is what I would recommend that, that uh, both of you guys do early on as well, is I crafted this evaluation form, especially when I was doing talks for other groups. And I wanted to get in front of groups where they were represented by multiple businesses in the room because they have potential to hire me separately rather than just working for one company with all their staff. And what I did, though, is the evaluation form, I'd had five or six questions. And I still use this to this day, this evaluation form. But one of the questions on there, well, there's one about can we use your testimonial in conjunction with our future marketing. Um, another one is, what do you think of the talk? So that would be related to the testimonial. Another question was, can we edit your newsletter? So you see what's happening is I'm getting testimonials from my first talk. I'm building my newsletter from my first talk. Uh, what I also recommend is get those first talks filmed as well, so you start getting video right away. But the biggest one is I had a question that says, do you know of others who could benefit from a similar talk to the one I delivered today? And if so, can we follow up? And that question from early on brought in about 30% of my business, hmm. that one question alone. So I get in a room of 100 people, 30 people in the room would say, you should reach out to us. We have an event. You'd be a perfect fit. And then, of course, I had to do the work and, and connect with them. And it wasn't that every single person that put that would end up hiring you, but it was still a good percentage. And so all of a sudden, I started getting business owners who were in the room, who mostly had the budget, who just saw me speak, saying, we need to talk. And that was one of the game changers for me early on. First three or four years, never thought about that, didn't have that as an idea. And once I brought that in, that was a game changer. And then the other part is, you know, I just mentioned you're in a room of 100 different business owners. Well, if 70 of them say they loved your talk, and then they say you can use their, them as a testimonial, all of a sudden, your first talk ever could be. If you knocked it out of the park, you now potentially, if you want it, you could have 70 testimonials on your website day one. Mm-hmm. So I'm all about efficiency. So I think I would jump in that direction knee-deep right away because you start getting video, which you should have anyway. You start getting testimonials right away. You start building your newsletter list. And you start finding leads that are actually looking for people. So that would be the first thing I would do. Hmm. So, any any questions from you guys? Because I don't want to I don't want to hog it here. I mean, obviously, public speaking is near and dear to my heart. But oh no, I, I love it, and I wish I would have done a lot of those things early on. I mean, I I did Toastmasters for years and went up like they said. Oh, we're going to kick you out of the club if you don't do the contest because you're the best representation. And then I 
created the speech on the day that that was because I forgot. Mm. Ended up winning. Wait, let me get let me get this straight, Richie. You 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 were you, you forgot. Maybe you didn't see the email or. Well, no, it was a combination of I was out of town and I thought it was the following. <laughs> month on that day and it was that month that day uh-huh. <laughs> so i was like oh yeah and i end up well plus this is 95 so oh, emails right, right. barely even going yeah. at this point in time <laughs> um and if it was i had to log in but ended up in that speech winning like area district division and it was like, why wasn't I getting video of all that stuff mm-hmm. and testimonials yeah. and all these things? And it's like, yeah, you can't go back and get it. Well, I want to yeah. make a comment about the no fee, Corey. Have you ever heard of Mark LeBlanc? I don't know. He was um, president I, of the National Speakers Association several years ago. Anyway. I would say it sounds familiar, but I, I don't want to say I know for sure. Okay. I'd rather be full disclosure. What his deal is, he believes he's been speaking since 1983. Um he believes in a showcase. Find your perfect audience, and your, that's your no fee, and you do your presentation in front of that and calling it to yourself and your booking a showcase because you're showcasing your talent to your perfect fit. And then, of course, if you can videotape it, get the testimonials, get the evaluation form filled out. I mean, it's not – I mean, it's like so obvious, but then – why don't we do those all those components? Like I speak at Catholic churches, and I I do a half ass evaluation form because I'm like, what if they don't like it and they actually write that down? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you should combine that with your real estate. They are one of the biggest, if not the biggest, real estate holding companies on this planet. Yeah. Do you want the Catholic, Catholic church? church? Yeah, yeah, right. You could combine the two. <laughs> so as we digress, right? Well, but Corey, I mean, it's a it's a great point. So to to that end, do, do you start with the topics, like, how do you even start as far as getting booked as, I mean, you talk about free, you know, no fee presentations and this sort of thing. Like, how do you, how do you even start? And then how, how do you recommend people get booked? Because I'll tell you, I have done, I think maybe three paid keynotes, maybe three. And so it's, it's definitely an area of opportunity for me. I, I actually, my model is I buy stage time and I sell from the stage, and that's something we can talk about as well if we have time here. But how do you book so many gigs that you get paid? So let's just running easy math here. If you're getting, you know, if you're at six figures, you can do it 100k. Seventy five percent of your income is from keynote speaking. Then you're you made seventy five k right this year. So I mean, that's good money. You know, when you look at the average salary in the United States, you know that's. That's double the average salary just simply for getting on stage and chatting. So do you, do you start with the topics? How, how do you know what to talk about? How, how do you get booked? So, yeah, and there's a couple of things uh, there too, Steve. So what I will tell you is this year, so in the last number of years, it's been dramatically higher than that too. So it's higher than 75 for my speaking. So, you know, you mentioned it, and that's not, you know, meant to be like a me thing sharing that, but it's just uh, even because I'll, I'll talk some numbers as well in terms of, you know, what my fee is today versus when I started, if you want. Sure. But um, having said that, this year actually was lower because I purposely took less bookings because I now have a, a one-and-a-half-year-old. So I'm actually mm. 
purposely going in the other direction. And there's a whole other side to my life there where I've launched actually programs teaching what we're talking about right now for that purpose, for the reason that I want to be in the road a little less. Mm -hmm. Um, So having said that, in terms of going back to your question about how do you get started, so if we talk about those no-fee talks that I mentioned, in that case, what I did, and this is going back to, let's see, what did that be, 2002. So what I did then is I had two things. One, because of the career I had, I had actually had clients that were big enough where I could reach out to them. But really what I did was I'd pick up the phone. So in the local area, I would go, okay, well, I want to speak at a chamber of commerce or board of trade or whatever you call them at the place where you're at, just like a rotary. Uh, But all business people come to their events. And so I said, I I reached out to them and and said, hey, you know, I've I've started speaking. I've been speaking for the last year. and And I would kind of tell them my little backstory and said, look, I normally charge for my talks but I'm willing to come in. I know you guys don't pay speakers. I'm willing to come in and speak at your event. And, uh, you know, then we talk, and I can talk about, you know, the topics, but then we figure out what I was going to speak on, what made the most sense for them. I was a good fit for them because I was speaking on entrepreneurship and sales at the time. And then I would tell them that the only thing I ask is that I can bring my evaluation forms. So that had to be pointed out because if you didn't say it and you showed up that day, they might say, well, you're not allowed to do that. So that was a condition for me because that was a big part of why I was willing to do at no fee. Um, so I would ask permission to hand out my evaluation form. And another key thing I want to mention, if somebody's going to try to take the evaluation form thing and do it, is it needs to be done on the spot by hand with a pen or pencil. But it can't be done digitally. People will say, I'll send those in, and I've tested this as many times as I can, and it never changes. It's always less than 5 or 10% that actually send it in, and you're hounding them to get that 5 or 10. If you get it on the spot, and if you're, you know, if you're really smart and you do a giveaway, like a free book or something, a digital book, you'll probably get 95%. I usually get 80% without offering anything. So of the forms back, I mean. So I wanted to add that in, but to go back to your question, I would either pick up the phone and call them. That was back then, it was pick up the phone and call. Now with having the bio, I I might email, but you could do either or. But it's still, here's the thing. A lot of people don't realize this. You're still grinding it out. Anybody that says that getting paid keynote engagements and you're starting out from scratch and you're going to be able to build it and they'll all come, unless you have something that goes viral the odds of that are very slim so back to that point i mean really it was it was you know dialing dialing for dollars picking up the phone um really what i want to find was the no fee booking because i knew they would hire me a lot quicker than trying to get a paid fee and i knew early on like that it'd be better to get the no fee booking and find clients in that room than it would be to charge 600 bucks for a talk so Mm. that was how i started i really started trying to find those either no fee bookings where they could get me in front of a great audience um, like a showcase, uh, you know, as, as was mentioned, or I would, uh, the other side was that I was reaching out to clients that I'd worked with in the past and trying to get four fee bookings, so paid bookings. Uh, I will tell you those early bookings were in the hundreds. And so I remember I worked with a gym. It was the first time I said, I got to place a value on my time. This is one of my first real talks. And it was a local gym and they own nine fitness locations. And I said, here's the deal. I know you're not going to pay me thousands, but what I want in return instead of that is I want three free gym memberships I can give to clients and a testimonial only if you like my talk. And so he gave me the three testimonial, or sorry, three uh, gym memberships. And then he wrote me a reference letter, which ended up having like 10 testimonials in there that I could use in different ways. Mm. And he was a really well-connected guy in town. And that started a bit of the momentum. And then I also uh, approached the local community college and had to sell them, which is kind of ironic, on me teaching a sales course. Mm-hmm. So I had to sell them on it and took a year. But once I got in there as well, I would have clients that would reach out to them and say, we'd love to come to Corey's event, but we can't take, send everybody there. Is there any way we could bring them in? And they would say, yeah, absolutely. We don't care. 
So then all of a sudden they were driving business for me too. So Steve, I hope that helps at least, you know, how that first scraping started, which is I reached out to somebody who could bring me clients, which was the local college. I went to a client who was really well connected and an influencer and said, you know, I want something for my time. And by the way, they kept hiring me over and over again. And my fee kept getting higher until I hit their ceiling. And then the, the third side is I did do those calls to pick up the phone, whether it was for fees or whether it was an association that could bring me in to speak to their members. Hmm. Yeah, that's helpful. But uh, I don't want to say but but next, how do you know what to talk <laughs> about? Like, I mean, at a gym. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, look, I mean, I'm I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm in decent shape, but I, and I'm not like one of those poster children you see on Instagram that should be shot. Um, but, you know, like, yeah, I don't know that I would be a good fit for a gym. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not representative of somebody that's got 3% body fat. You know what I mean? So, like, I don't even know if that would be an option. Like, how, Are you talking about, like, how do you reverse engineer your funnel? I, yeah, I guess, right? Yeah, you know, so to you're speak. Like, you're, you're looking to talk in front of an audience, but you need that audience to be the, the association that you're speaking in front of might not be your perfect audience, but to Corey's point, the attendees yeah. are the perfect audience. Yeah. So what is... What does that look like, Corey? How do you structure that? Yeah, so there's, there's a couple of answers there because there's one side is how do, how do I fit into, a, let's say, a, a gym in that type of environment. And so there was two things that worked for me there. One, I was active in their gym. No, I wasn't 3% body fat either. Uh, but I was at least in, in their mind in good enough shape, I guess, to be in front of them. But not, you know, not certainly to be training with them. But, I mean, I was at, active at their gym. They saw me around. The, the CEO knew me because of that. Um, but in terms of what I spoke on there, no matter what shape I was in, I mean, obviously if I was in their mind, I wasn't near gym shape at all, then they might not resonate at all, but I wasn't going in to speak about the gym business per se. I was going in to talk about sales in general. So I was, at that time I was speaking mostly on sales and I come from a 10 year background, as we talked about earlier in a very aggressive sales industry. And so they were looking for somebody to talk about relationship building reading personality, reading, adjusting to personality type, sales, that type of thing. So there's a two-part answer, Steve, because on one side, there's me talking to the client and seeing what are you wanting, and then I'll know if I'm a fit. So in other words, that gentleman said, I want to I want to pump up our sales team, but I also want to give them strategy. So in that case, then what I would do is personalize my talk to that situation. But there's the other side is then uh, to the point of ideal audience, and then, so then it was, what am I speaking on? So if I'm speaking on personality types and creating customer experiences, then who's a fit for that? So then maybe it's franchisees, let's say, because they, you know, they deal, or the franchisor themselves, but they're dealing with customer service every day. Maybe it's, you know, gas stations, anything retail really or hospitality uh, mm-hmm. fits there. So then so there's two sides. One is me figuring out who's a fit as far as my target clientele. And then the second part is, how do I customize my talk for that audience or do I customize it? Sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be customized. But that gym situation, uh, because I was active there and I had a passion for working out and they saw me there all the time, that was a good link. And what happened from that, which was unintentional, is that I ended up speaking to most of the local, uh, whether it was the fitness industry, fitness sales, sales like fitness equipment sales, or actual gyms. I ended up pretty much saturating the local market because of that, because he was so connected. And everybody's like, if Dean brought you in, we want to bring you in. So it wasn't intentional that I ended up speaking to people in the fitness industry. That was a sort of a happy by accident. But having said all that, to answer your question, I, I had two things. One, I had specific talks that I knew I was a fit for. And so I would 
talk to the client and see if that was a fit. And if it wasn't, I wanted to find out what they want me to come in and speak on. If they want me to come and speak on, let's say, human resources or safety and health, I'm not a fit. And I'm not going to try to make myself a fit because I'm going to do everybody a disservice. Mm -hmm. So it was still really, I was still targeting. And at that time, my target was completely around customer service and sales. So how did I come about that? It really came from my background of being in front of 10,000 customers doing cold calls for the 10 years prior. So I really went to what I knew. And I used a thing called the spider method, which I learned in stand-up, for how to actually craft my talk, which really just saw me put, uh, and it's just mind mapping, really, but put at the center of the body of the spider on the page, and then I'd write down, let's say, uh, which company, let's say I want to work for a university, and then I'd write that I want to speak on customer service. And then what I did was I said, do I have three stories and central points that I'm trying to deliver that relate to customer service? And then what I did was I drew the legs of the spider, and those became my stories, and I want to leave them with three points and three lessons, and I want to have three stories that I could frame them around uh, so that I was doing storytelling for every talk. And so I used that to start crafting those early talks, but I built it around the two things I felt I knew, which was sales and customer service. So mm-hmm. I, hope that, I hope that answered it fully, Steve, but I'm willing to dive deeper. Yeah. No, it's good. Yeah, really good, really helpful. Quest question then. Uh, so what? And you know, obviously, as life happens, your circumstances change. Your well, the value that you hold for the information that you've attained changes. Your fees change. What What do you charge now for a keynote if you have to travel versus when you first started out? So it's, it's like a night and day situation now. Uh, so now if I have to travel, because that's a great point, because there are circumstances, rare, but there are circumstances where it might be in my own backyard. And obviously I look at that a little different if I don't have to leave town or anything. Yeah. Uh, but if I'm traveling and it's a one-off, because there's other variables if they bring me in for more than one talk, uh, but it's a straight 10000 And that's if they – now if they bring me in to talk for two days, then it could be sixteen or seventeen. Like obviously, I'm not just going to double it if they're bringing me into the same venue and I don't have to travel twice. Sometimes they want me to do the same talk three or four times over two events, hmm. uh, like over two days at their event. Um, so, but that's the base price that I start at. And when I started, it was three gym memberships and a mm-hmm. testimonial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so I mean that you can give you the range. In fact, there's there's a truism to this. But somebody said, you know, when you first start, you'll pay somebody fifty bucks to listen to you talk. Right. And, you know, and then, of course, up from there, because then we know there's people like Tony Robbins and Bill Clinton who are getting paid upwards of a million dollars to talk. Mm-hmm. And there was there so was mine might sound high to some people, but it's not even close to touching the surface when you get to celebrity speakers. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say something, Corey, that could be real easy for people to miss there that you said that's super important in the game of reciprocity. You were talking about gym memberships, but you only need one gym membership. You specifically were asking for gym memberships to give to clients. I mean, that's a, I'm not saying you were trying to get super psychological, but that's an awesome, you know, you're not even asking for something for you. You're asking them for something that you can give to your clients, thereby bringing them even more potential business and more referrals. So the begets, begets, begets that Mm -hmm. Steve talks about a lot, that's a, a super cool, interesting reciprocity play there, whether you were knowingly doing that or not. Yeah, and, and you know, if I reflect on it, I'd love to say I was for sure knowingly doing it. I was definitely wanting to give to others, and I knew that the memberships, I could, could have done the talk for free, so I knew the memberships um, were an added value for my future clients, but I don't think I was thinking of it from the perspective of, 
you know, how can I per- specifically, how can I give back? But I, I was, a, I was of that mindset anyway, but I don't think I was specifically thinking of it in the reciprocal, you know, reciprocally way in terms of trying to do that purposely for that reason. So I would say it was another one of those accidents. <laughs> yeah. Well, just other sh- than being a coincidence. It shows just doing good still pays off regardless whether you were knowingly doing it or not, you were still trying to spread good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Corey, Corey, let me ask you this, man. So you're, well, you're a dad now. I mean, your some of your priorities obviously have shifted. I, I know that you've gotten into podcasting. Uh, as a matter of fact, you're uh, one of, one of our icons of influence. Uh, at the new media summit, so you've had a chance to to be on our stage, and you've booked guests guests uh, from the new media summit stage. What is your thinking as far as podcasting as it relates to speaking? Because when I when I when I teach or speak from the stage, I often talk about how podcasts are the equivalent of really having access to thousands of free stages. You know, where, where you can literally share your brilliance without having to leave home and you have the opportunity to speak in front of oftentimes as many, if not significantly more people than you would if you had to travel to that speaking gig. Right. So how how do you look at podcasting as it relates to the speaking industry and speaking gigs? Yeah, so this is something I'm really passionate about. Uh, so I'm, I mean, first of all, I'm passionate about podcasting. I started my first show over seven years ago, and uh, it was on Blog Talk Radio at the time. So it was mm-hmm. like I was I was positioning it as an online radio show. Um, but you know, to put that in perspective, I started I think four months before John Lee Dumas, and I only remember this because we connected early on. And uh, and so you know, I think of how how long Entrepreneurs and Fire has been around, and I started podcasting a little before that. Uh, so I've been passionate about it, and I've never let go of it. What I will say, two things. One, podcasting is, in a lot of ways, directly responsible for so much of what has happened to me since I got into podcasting. So I can even I can join up the dots and say my TEDx talk, I've done three, and I would say that podcasting got me the first one because the person that actually was considering me told me they went and listened to my show, and they really dug my style and energy. And so they looked at my application a lot closer. Uh, so it helped in that regard. It's given me access to, uh, and, and I'll talk to the, you know, the idea that you get access to sort of stages uh, from home, but it's given me access to as well some of the greatest minds in the world. And, and Steve, I think we chatted about this before, but I've done over 5,000 one-on-one interviews. Mm. And, you know, that's, that's not a fake number. It's 5,000. It's all documented. Not all of it's for my podcast, but the podcast is what helped me get the bigger names. And that's become my, my signature talk around as a speaker is built around having done that many interviews. Mm. So second thing, podcasting is responsible probably for my fee being where it's at today and a lot of the stages I've been able to get. So that's the second thing. Uh, but the third thing is, to your point, is it gets me, I get access to people that I would never have the time to get to from a travel perspective. Uh, I can get to in a unique way to get to build a relationship with me. Yeah, when you're on a stage, you get to build a 45-minute relationship with an audience. But they don't get to know you like they do in a podcast. You know, they, like you're know, watching watching you guys. I can see what you what you have in front of you as far as what you what you drink. You know, like in terms of what you have whenever you're doing the show. I mean, you get to know a person in a different way. Yeah. You know, they might talk about what their favorite chocolate bar is or what have you. But so I guess for me, it's allowed me to connect with people in a more intimate way. But to your point as well, it's, it's basically a no cost stage. It doesn't cost me anything. 
And I can then indirectly track back where my revenues come from, from my podcast. And I will add in, because this is another side of my life, but my first five years I had sponsors. So I was actually earning um, a nice side income directly from sponsors from my show too. So in every way you can uh, angle it, podcasting has treated me like gold. And I will also add too, I mean, your event is brilliant. The, to get, the, get in front of that many different podcasters. I mean, by the way, I've been booked on people's shows that were icons like me, mm-hmm. people that were in the audience. Mm-hmm. And I even had a couple people reach out about joining my TEDx program, mm-hmm. my TEDx and speaking program from the event. Nice. Um, so I can't say enough about it. And then I have another friend, Alana Pratt, who mm-hmm. is uh, who is the one that urged me first mm-hmm. uh, to check out the New Media Summit. And Alana told me from a coaching perspective, she got so many clients from going there because of the relationships you built with those people. Yeah. So I can't say enough about New Media Summit, but also podcasting. Yeah, well, I mean... Wow, what a commercial. I know, appreciate, yeah, appreciate the, the awesome. kind words about the event. Any, anything else you want to add about the uh, event? Yeah, oh, I mean, and Steve, you were terrific. Yeah, right, you could add that if you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, no, I mean, it was. there's a couple of things. One, I had a pleasant surprise. So, Steve, yeah, I mean, you knocked it out of the park, but I think the fact that you've been, you know, you've been doing this with the, with the summit and it's been crushing it, I think that speaks for itself. But what you did as well, you put on an event, and I told you this, actually, if you remember, hmm. uh, while we were at the event, I go to hundreds of events a year. I mean, I'm speaking at uh, not. I mean, oh, not I remember now this. Much, but I, I'm, I'll paraphrase. He's, I, I he said he's been to, he's been to hundreds of events. We made the top. What was it, the top ten? Top ten easily. You said and, that during I mean, the mastermind. Even, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I gave you, know you and I gave you and shit I, about I, it too. I was like top ten. Oh man, how to make the top five? <laughs> top three? Yeah. Right. Well, you know that. what? I think somebody that was somebody that was insincere or saying it for the wrong reasons would probably you know say, oh, you're the first best event ever. But yeah. the fact that I'm saying you know top ten percent easily <laughs> it tells you that I'm being sincere. Well, uh, I will say too. I mean, I don't see many events like that. And I went to Lisa Nichols, as I mentioned, at her event. Mm -hmm. Uh, Similar to yours was just one of those events that just stands out from everybody else. Mm -hmm. And so the why, I mean, there's a different spirit there. I mean, you get people up dancing and, Mm -hmm. you know, the group pictures, even some of those things that seem so small are really big compared Mm -hmm. to a lot of the conferences I go to. They're not doing that kind of stuff. But here's another thing I was going to add, too, is when you brought uh, Mike Koenig's up. I didn't expect that. And, and so I interviewed Mike in the past. Mm-hmm. We hadn't met in person. And, you know, when you said we have a special guest, I didn't expect it to be him. I, so the fact that you brought a special surprise guest without promoting who it would be, I think was a, a, a delivering the unexpected moment, like a wow yeah. that, again, not all conferences do. If you know who's going to be there, you know, it could be still powerful, but it's not as big as going, wow, I get, I get to see Mike Kenegg's live and access to him by being at this event. And who knows going to be who's going to be here next time? I'll never know until I go. Yeah, so I have true. to go to check out who could be here next time. So the surprise guest was big. The dancing, the interaction, the fact that everybody gets access to each other. I will tell you that uh, I went for supper, and uh, and it took me about an hour and a half to get back because yeah. I had so many passionate people asking about my show. Yeah, and so you just don't see that at every conference. Yeah, appreciate that. It's Let's, a big love fest. It is a big love fest and, and a learn fest, you know, and, and a book fest, you know, in terms of people getting booked on, on shows. So our, uh, I don't know where things stand. I haven't seen the current list. Are you coming back and joining us or, uh, at, at, in September or uh, at a future summit? What's your, what's your plan around that? So here's what I'm, so I'm on the fence about this, uh, not about going. I'm on the fence about two different decisions here. I actually, I, and I don't, I don't know if there's a rule against this, so you can tell me this too, Steve. Um, I was considering going to be a pitcher this time. Interesting. I was, like I, I, I loved watching everybody pitch. Yeah. And I, I, I like the idea of, of you know going in and, and and I have a very unique thing, right? Uh, helping people land their first TEDx talk. 
But Dude, you'd, you'd I, kill I just, it. You'd get booked on so many shows, it wouldn't even be funny. Well, I, I mean, I, I just thought about doing it because I think it would be a really cool experience, but I think it also would be good for you guys to have somebody to talk from both perspectives. Yeah. And I have uh, lined up a couple of icons for you, like connect you guys with a couple of good icons who have hundreds of shows, yeah. hundreds of episodes. And uh, so I, I have people that I've already referred that I know are going to be there, and they're going, you're what? You're thinking of doing what? And I was like, you know what? I just love the spirit of the people in the audience doing that, and I, I love that yeah. perspective. So anyway, that's that's where my head's floating around. Well, reach out for Kelly. Yeah, yeah we'll, do you we'll, think you're going to get nervous doing your pitch? Because he's done this with a couple of icons uh, and said, hey, I'm going to get four or five of you. You're going to come up and pitch everybody. And they, like Tom Singer, was almost a nervous wreck. <laughs> it was his idea, too. And he's a public speaker. And he's a public, and he's a public speaker, speaker, right? Yeah. yeah. So what I would say, Mary, is it's funny because, and Steve, I know you've delivered a TEDx talk. Yeah. Uh, so what I'll say, because this ties into this, but it's true what people say. It's one of the most nerve-wracking stages you'll speak on, mm-hmm. in my opinion, anyway. Mm-hmm. And I've watched people backstage who've spoken 2,000 times. I watched one girl drop her coffee mug. She was so nervous. <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was, it was, I've seen a lot backstage at TEDx events. Yeah. People that have spoken on a lot of stages. Yeah. So what I'll answer, how I'll answer this is say, do I think I would get nervous? I get nervous all the time when I speak, mm-hmm. and I've been doing this forever. Mm-hmm. And and I'm scared of the day that that stops. I hope it never does. Yeah. Uh, but so my answer is, yeah, I'd be, I'd be nervous. And, you know, the icons, let's face it, I mean, these are all people that have brought on, in some cases, hundreds of guests, some cases, thousands of guests. Yeah. And so they've heard both all kinds of pitches, but also they're sitting at a, a fairly high level. So, yeah, absolutely, I would get nervous. For sure. Right. Well, but I don't, I, don't, I don't know if you would notice it, but I'll notice it inside. All right, yeah. let, let, let's do this, man, because we're going to give you an opportunity to share how people can get in touch with you. Corey, really appreciate you spending so much time with us here today on Reinvention Radio. So I know you've got a book. Talk about the uh, – actually, well, you've got the book coming out. You've got other stuff as well. Just where do you want people to go? What do you want people to, to do? So what I'd love to do, and, and I think you know anybody – you was mentioned earlier about giving. I think you know anybody who uh, wants to help people grow, I think you want, you want to help them learn and you want to help – give as much as you can. So what I'd love to do uh, is give everybody a copy of my, uh, it's, a, it's a digital book, but it's a full meal, real deal book, you know, hundred some pages. Uh, so it's not a short penny page ebook. Yep. I give people a copy of my book, the book of public speaking. Sweet. So it's, it's brand new and it dives fully into what we're talking about today. Uh, so some of those answers I didn't get a chance to address. They'll see yep. it and find it in the book. Uh, so here's the easy way to get it. See yep. the book of public speaking.com. Sweet. Easy peasy. So the book of public Corey Poirier, really appreciate you joining us here on Reinvention Radio. Reach out for Kelly. You know, we'd love to get you there uh, as uh, as an attendee and then see how that goes. And I know you would crush it there. All right, my friends, we got to jump here on Reinvention Radio for Mary Goulet and Richie Ote and White Wade holding it down in the studio. Kelly under got it under control back at headquarters. I am Steve Olsher, and we will talk to you guys next time here on Reinvention Radio. Take care, everybody. You just got dismantled. Thanks for listening to Reinvention Radio. For more information about the show and your host, Steve Olsher, visit reinventionradio.com. One person has the power to change the world, impact millions of lives, and leave a legacy for lifetimes to come. That person is you. In the New York Times bestseller, What is Your What? Steve Olcher, award-winning author and founder of the Reinvention Workshop, reveals his proven process that has helped thousands of men and women discover, share, 
and monetize the one thing they were born to do. Grab your free copy now at www.whatisyourwhat.com slash free. That's www.whatisyourwhat.com forward slash free.